You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. You don't hey. look very good. That's a pretty, that's a pretty junky looking outfit you have there in the, in the, in the apartment. You've gone downhill. Something's wrong with you. Have you picked I'm, up rhetorical tips I'm from do- Donald Trump? I'm going to dominate this conversation the way Donald Trump dominated the debate. I'm a force of nature, Bob. I, I hope you can't, I can't compete with me in the leadership category. I've long conceded that. Uh, I hope <laughs> I look at least slightly better than Joe Biden looked. Um, you look fine. Thank you. Look you. Fine. Thank um, you. I'm actually chastened by. Well, you do the opening you were going to do. I, I, I'm chastened by people who say I interrupt too much. So. I don't have an opening. I always count on you to have some, okay, okay, some good. crazy visual guy. So, but I know today, given in light of today's news, we, we are in too somber a mood for, to have a visual gag. So I, so you don't seem right. to have a visual gag for us. I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm going to try to behave the way Trump should have behaved in the, the debate, which is not interrupt. I don't think I interrupt, but some readers have said I interrupt. No, my fans say you interrupt. Your fans say I interrupt. Right. And I've, anyway, so we'll call it dry. I've listened to the recordings from my end, and it's like Mickey talk and then long periods of Bob talking and then like Mickey talk. That's from my perspective. I found Is it, that right? I, one's percept, perceptions of this are completely warped by self-interest. You always think you talk less than uh, you do. Uh, uh, I, I may be guilty of that. Uh, there are definitely times when I'm, when I'm, uh, seating center stage to you, but I try to minimize those times. Um, so, yeah, I, I assume, I'd assumed, as of yesterday, I was thinking, you know, there aren't many things that are so big that they'd be the thing Mickey and I were going to talk about three days after they happened or four days after they happened or whatever, but the debate was that big. And then, of course, today's news. Is yeah, bigger. the um, or more much, recent. I think it's bigger. I, I mean, I guess what what what's the scenario in which it could not be bigger? It's it, which is Trump quickly recovers, and Biden does not get sick, and so the race carries on as before with a bunch of staffers, uh, spreading COVID everywhere. Well, I think uh, even then it could be big. I mean, that's the weird thing about this. Don't you think there's a chance this could work out uh, in Biden's favor or in Trump's favor? Yes. In fact, when I thought about it, there's sort of three tiers. There's the there's the tier where Trump doesn't really get sick and people say, oh, you're a hypocrite who made light of the uh, of covid. And, and now you're uh, you know, now you're getting your comeuppance and you were secretly paranoid in private. But you told the public not to worry. Ha ha ha. Then there's the wait a second. Media. That's when he doesn't get really sick. That's when he doesn't get really sick. But, but then he, won't he won't he be able to say in that event? See, I was right. This is no big deal. I I I don't think he'd have the balls to say that. And also, I think I think people realize it's a big deal. Let me get through the three two, two okay. other levels. Okay, he gets he gets mildly sick, and people push for him, and he gets a lot of sympathy. And then he that's level two. And, you know, they're pulling for him to come through. He's, you know, struggling to breathe. And the third is he gets really, really sick and people just say, this guy can't be president. He's a loser or he's, he's weak. He, he's, 
he's physically incapable of doing the job anymore. Wait, so, I was, I was, I'm sorry. I apologize for this interruption. I was actually adjusting my microphone levels when during number two. What's number two again? Number three number is really two is he, Number two is he's fighting for his health and he gets sympathy. So he didn't uh, you miss number, one? Didn't you miss one option, which is very unlikely, but has been known to happen with this disease? Well, the, the option four is that he dies. Yeah. Um, I, very low that, probability, even for somebody his age. Uh, you would think and, and hope, uh, the, the weird thing, the couple of things, Biden is known to be terrified of getting the virus and his wife especially. That's why he, he's been doing these elaborate things where only two people can visit him at home and, uh, their, their, their paranoia is completely vindicated, of course, but they're really worried that if he gets it, he's going to die. So, uh, he seems a weaker specimen than. Well, and Trump. older. But he doesn't, he doesn't have one risk factor, which is being, being overweight that Trump has. Trump's less overweight than he used to be. Have you seen him? He's, he? he's, he's in better shape, but. Okay. Do you think two, two, 243 for a guy his height, is that obese? Doesn't seem obese. Well, what is to his me. actual height? Do we know that any more confidently than we know he's as well? He's at least, the, people know it. I don't know it. He's at least 6'1 or 6'2. Um, uh, that seems you know. a little on the, uh, uh, anyway, uh, uh, he, um, you know, there's one, um, there's one other risk factor that I think he may have. This is so conjectural, uh, that I apologize for it in advance. It just, it's just that it, as it happens, I was after the debate, I was kind of thinking that Trump himself must have been on something. Maybe some Adderall, but, but also I realized, you know, there's a very good chance that for years he's been on testosterone supplements. He's many men his age are, you know, he's the kind who would want them. And that's consistent with a lot of his behavior. So I did, I did Google, uh, testosterone this morning. It was cursory Googling. I could have this wrong, but it turns out that actually. Did you hear that? I hear something about testicles. Yeah. That's the Google lady <laughs> saying much more than I really intended for her to say when I uttered the word G-O-O-G-L-E. Okay? But thank you for that. So, Mickey, we have confirmed that testosterone is related to testicles. Now, if I, I always suspected continue, that. Um, it looks at my, according to my curs- cursory G-O-O-G-L-I-N-G, um, it actually does. It, it, I thought it might confer immune benefits. It seems to be the opposite. Female hormones do make you, in general, more resistant to uh, to infection from various illnesses. Apparently, as I understand it, testosterone is the opposite. Don't don't hold me to that, but that seemed to be the the general drift. Um, anyway, we can save further discussion of his um, supplements well, for uh, the debate. Uh, no section um, conversation. Uh, the 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 second thing that seems weird to me is that Melania got sick. That's sort of troubling because uh, it, it implies that it's it it's really widespread. I mean, it's not like just, just Trump got sick; it's like everybody in his household got sick. Uh, if you're if you're like me, you don't think that Trump and Melania actually spend all that much time in close proximity. So the, that she would get sick is. Weird, unless they're, it occurred, the, the thought that occurred to me is 
Maybe they're just saying she's sick to make it look like they're a happy couple getting sick together. But she's not really sick. <laughs> that, that's the most benign conspiracy theory I've heard yet. I, I assume you do dismiss the standard conspiracy theory, which is that he's faking this for some reason or other. Yes, because I don't think it helps him. It doesn't help him for sure. If you were him, you would say anything to shake up the race at this point. Right. Because, uh, I, I thought he was, he wasn't in a death spiral and he had plenty of time, but it wasn't looking good for him. Right. Uh, I'm, I, my general viewpoint is, uh, the incumbent rule is in effect. Things usually break one way or another at the end. They're very likely to break against the incumbent. Uh, and Trump. Oh, is that would, a statistical fact? I'd forgotten that. The, the incumbent rule is really just that the, it, it's not that. The incumbent rule is that the final poll number that the incumbent gets, which if it's 48%, that's what he's going to get. He's not going to go up to 50%. Mm. So the, the challenger will get all the undecided last minute vote after the final poll. Oh. But there is also a, a trend that uh, Paul Kane at the Washington Post pointed out, which is in, in the Senate, it always flops one way or the other. In other words, right now, suppose there are eight contested seats and it's, it's very unlikely to split four, four. It usually flops. Democrats get all eight. Republicans get all eight at the last minute. Um, so. Okay. Applying that dynamic to the presidential race and remembering what happened to Jimmy Carter, who was in a similar situation against Ronald Reagan. My instinct is it would all flop to the challenger. Mm-hmm. If Trump was that popular, he would have he would have uh, been further up in the polls already. The his his alternative was to 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 really start scaring people about Biden, which he hadn't been doing effectively. No, the um. Well, I'm glad to hear that. The the I mean, as for the infection uh pattern we don't know that melania got it from trump and we don't know that trump got it from hope hicks although the new theory is that trump the new theory is that trump is the super spreader and he's giving it to all of them (laughs) yeah you you just don't know you're fine you find that amusing apparently that's like my um yes there's that old joke that uh leon weasel used to tell that i keep forgetting which is the punchline is You'll laugh. They're dead too. <laughs> oh. I remember that. The best it's joke, one of the best jokes joke. I ever heard was from Leon and it was the, this isn't about the hunting, is it? But, but that's not relevant to this. So, um, let's, uh, so let's, let's like play this out. Um, I mean, first of all, do we know for sure that he's symptomatic? I haven't looked at Twitter in a few hours and the last thing I had read, the New York Times was saying some anonymous person says, says he looked lethargic. Another anonymous person said he slept on a plane, been known to happen. I mean, and, and as for lethargy, I would assume after that debate, after he comes down from whatever drug he was on and has to acknowledge that it wasn't a success. Yeah, I would imagine he's going to be lethargic. Do we, has it been confirmed that he is symptomatic? I just read, uh, I think it was on Maggie Haberman's feed that he was mildly symptomatic. Well, that's what the Times what is reporting, but it's like anonymous sources saying he had one person supposedly said he had cold-like symptoms. I, anyway, um, the reason I ask is because the the test he um, tested positive on is the PCR, and that is a very sensitive test that can give you, depending on 
how many cycles of, of, of it you do, of the, of the amplification of the virus you do, kind of in the test tube, so to speak, can pick up, can report as positive very low viral loads. Are there false positives? I don't think that's the issue. So, I mean, I, I assume that's positive, but I, uh, that's possible. But the bigger problem is that, um, often people who get the PCR test, they don't get the information about like how many cycles it took to get the positive, And that would give them some indication of what the viral load is. What I'm suggesting is that the doctors know more about the level of Trump's viral load than we have been told. The doctors find out that information. I, 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 how many cycles? I believe that it's inherent in a PCR that, uh, you at least know how many cycles it took to, to get the positive. But, but I could be wrong. But at any event, they have the capacity to administer a PCR in that fashion, which would, which would, which would let them know kind of exactly how many cycles it took, which would give them some sense of viral load. So it, it could be. If if we don't know for sure he has symptoms, it could be all he has is an incredibly low viral load. We'll never see symptoms. I don't know. Um, why wouldn't Why wouldn't they make that information public? You'd think they'd make everything public, practically. Well, in general, though, the, people do the opposite in these situations. They're very guarded, and they're yeah. um, and they and they think very carefully before releasing anything true. And you know, I don't know. Uh, I I don't know. It's funny. I don't know which one they. It's an interesting question. Which, which, what would they rather conceal, high viral load or low? Because, like, if it's, I mean, one scenario is Trump, he gets through this pretty easily and he uses it to like, to like amplify this Trump is Superman theme, right? And if that's the case, you'd like them to think he had a high viral load and yet still felt almost nothing, right? I don't know. I don't know how this plays um, out. uh John Huntsman got the coronavirus when he was running for governor of Utah. It didn't help him. He lost. So, uh, although Boris not- Johnson's popularity apparently went up when he got it, a Trump-like, a somewhat Trump-like figure. Yeah, it, he was really suffering. That guy. Plus he was. He, he was close he, to being intubated. Yeah, but like Trump, he had been. That's true. There was more concern about his actual health than we yet so far have reason to be with Trump, but. Um, but he had, like Trump, been pretty dismissive. He had been saying, look, I'm shaking people's hands and, you know, um, right. so. Right. Yeah. The, um, the uh, one possibility which he won't take is, uh, you know, I, I wrote this article a few months ago saying he should drop out of the race and let somebody else run. And, uh, uh, that didn't happen. And it's probably too late for that to happen, obviously. It's, in a way that would help him, but he could seize this as a face saving way to get out of the race if he wanted to. Uh, it, it, keep in mind, he, his, I would think his polls must have been pretty bad for him to do that debates, the debate strategy he did on Tuesday. Uh, you know, it, it was high risk. It, it, it had a high, had a high chance of failing. It sort of, it's, it was like, it was like going for the Hail Mary pass. He was trying to, pr- uh, force Biden into some stuttering or some breakdown or some moment of confusion that could then be captured on tape and replayed a thousand times. And what were the odds of that happening? Probably less than 50%. And unless he was wildly overconfident, 
it just seems to me you wouldn't do that unless you you felt you were behind significantly. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I I do think it was a conscious strategy. On the other hand, it was only all it was was ordinary Trump times one point three, right? I mean, it was like it's the way he is, amped up a little. So it's conceivable that he just took too much Adderall or something. Um, the uh, but 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 I no, I think going in, the people in the know were saying there was going to be a strategy, somewhat like that. Um, on the other hand, the polling we see is not very great for him, and and maybe he didn't know any more than that. But uh, so so I don't know. But he, you don't really think he's gonna he's gonna drop out of the race. I don't. I I sort of. My, it's been pointed out to me that, uh, since my only goal is to, to stop this amnesty bill and, and, uh, prevent the, that involves preventing the Democrats from taking the Senate, if the, the Democrats are, uh, you're, you're not going to hold off the Democrats unless Trump's base is mobilized at this point. And, uh, and so him dropping out would probably demoralize his base more than the Democrats' base. I mean, the Democrats are now all fired up, and they just have to last a few more weeks. Uh, well, his base loves Pence, right? Oh, I don't think nearly as much, no. Uh, I mean, Pence, what's populist about Pence? Well, the, I was thinking the, the, of the, the I was thinking the, the religious, religious right loves yeah. Pence, but not the uh, not the uh, you know populist non college worker. Working class base. Yeah, but Pence seems malleable on these issues, right? He could adapt. And there would be this, you know, you're doing, you know, Trump would in essence, although still alive, be kind of a fallen martyr and, and Pence could inherit, uh, kind of the, the goodwill from that. I guess that's right. Pence would actually be, of the two fallbacks, Kamala Harris and Pence, Pence is clearly the more reassuring. He would, he would do what is necessary and what his advisors say is necessary. He's not going to do anything rash. I have, I, I'm terrified that co- this will, will somehow wind up with Kamala Harris being president. Well, we could do, <laughs> we could do worse. I agree that she wouldn't be my first, not one of my first worse. seven choices, but, but as a number of people have noted, the, the VP debate does become more interesting and important as a result of the, uh, of Trump's, uh, medical development. Uh, you know, and, and it remains the fact that we don't know for sure about Biden. Apparently he tested negative today. I don't think that means he's, uh, out of the woods. This was slightly more than two days, uh, after what would have been the exposure. So I don't think need, we can say for need, sure he didn't you get need infected. need five days, I'm told. Yeah. So, so in fact, we won't know for sure as of the vice presidential debate, right? I mean, it, it, uh, it'll, it'll, will be close. But, um, in any event, I, I do think, more than ever, it's important for Kamala Harris to keep it, I think, a little dialed down during the debate and not get caught up in what I think is her natural inclination of pleasing what she sees as her base, young, hip, progressives. Um, I would, if I were her, yeah, I would just try to seem uh, at least as presidential as Mike Pence. Um, uh, I agree that that is her, her fatal flaw. The so, desire to seem young, young, hip, and progressive. Well, uh, well, so, yeah. So that's all. I, I, I pretty much think she's horrible in every respect. But that would be the biggest respect. So let let's play out some more Trump health scenarios. So what if? So apparently, 
And and uh, by the way, anything I get wrong, my wife is responsible for much of much <laughs> of this information. <laughs> she she reads about this stuff a lot, and she reads like James Hamlin in the Atlantic. They're they're kind of medical expert and so on. And then as I walk through the living room, I ask her for updates. Uh, and, and that's my database. So, um, but let me, so I think the following is the case. Even a person of Trump's age, as, as we've said, very low chance of dying, a less than 20% chance of getting, quote, seriously ill. Uh, but let's say he does get seriously ill and can't do the second debate, but could do a third debate. Now we're getting pretty hypothetical. But I say if I'm Joe Biden, I insist that that third debate be the town hall debate, which was the, which is what the second debate was going to be. But that that's pandemically a disaster having a town hall debate. Oh, you can handle that. Give they them have shields. To, have you seen the plastic shields? They have to use the blogging heads techno- split screen technology and have them in different cities. We will license um, it to them. Uh, Greg Dingle, doesn't doesn't he own that? No. Um Zoom has the, uh, not had a rival yet, but we're we're still around. Don't uh, the, um, don't assume anything. The uh, the uh, I the why insist on the town hall debate? Is even assuming you can do it safely with well, various that's shields. The safer, that's the safer scenario for Biden, right? I mean, are, weren't you thinking if this proceeds normally? Okay, Biden will probably do fine in the next one because that's town hall, and then his next big risk will be the final debate where. You know, Trump will again try to throw him off. And Trump Trump will demand that he remember things. Like, you know, in the last debate, Biden actually did quite well twice in, in summoning things to mind. One was Trump, what Trump said, which official is that? And Biden said Kellyanne Conway, a little hesitantly, but apparently correctly, passed that test. Um, but but anyway, that's the kind of... Uh, I, thought, I, I thought if you took Trump's monstrous behavior out of the equation, Biden did pretty poorly. I agree. He got a C. I agree. Uh, and, and maybe he passed his cognitive test, but he screwed up a bunch of, he totally screwed up his description of his medical plan, his healthcare plan, in, in sort of intentionally disingenuously. Trump said, well, you're going to take over the private healthcare plan. And said, oh no, my public option is only for people so poor that they're on Medicaid. Well, that's not true. His public option is available to everybody. Well, he also, Why do you say that? Does he? How could he? Couldn't possibly not know that about his own healthcare plan. And twice, and after twice saying my environmental plan is not the Green New Deal, then he said, "Look, the Green New Deal just does X, Y, Z, like defending right. it." He was getting confused right. at that point between his plan and the Green New Deal. Right. So, it, it, so no, I agree. But I think the one reason he was so bad is because Trump was there and amped up and challenging him. I don't think he's going to be that bad in a town hall. Huh. See, I think uh, Trump's I, strategy worked to some extent, but because Trump overdid it, his overdoing it became the story. And that was that's his possible. I, I, tend to, I tend to think of Biden as prone to gaffes in any environment under any occasion. I mean, he, historically, he's been a gaff machine. Yeah. I do think he's better in front of an audience. I remember seeing him in Las Vegas and he's, he gave a pretty ordinary tired speech and then he spent two hours talking to the people in the crowd and there weren't that many of them there were like 50 people hanging out and he was there for hours and hours now he only had to listen but i do think i do think that that will that gets whatever 
hormones make you alert mm-hmm. going uh, so the town hall would be good for him. Anyway, that's pretty hypothetical. I mean, do you he's, go ahead? He's a hands on politician. Even people who hate him think he's a good re, uh, retail politician. Yes. Handsy, some would even say. Uh, so, yes. So he, um, I, I, we've, we've talked about this. He's handsy with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he, he gives shoulder massages to elderly men. Yes. Yes. Um, the, so, uh, do you have a sense for like, whether this is more likely to help Trump or help Biden? I mean, you know, we, I don't, I'm completely at sea. Uh, uh, I, my, you know, and it depends how they react. I mean, if, 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 if Trump is Trump, he'll screw it up somehow. But, uh, uh, it, it, it and, and, you know, Trump is not going to get the usual sympathy that one gets. But I mean, I, I think, you know, I think he was headed down the tube, Trump was heading down the tubes and any change is a gamble he should take. So the, if this is flipping this a coin, it's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, not that he did it in, on purpose. Now that's another no. good conspiracy theory. Do you want to, you want to try that one? What, that he's lying about having no, it? No, that he that intentionally he... infected himself. Um, want, why don't you embrace that theory? I'm not a big conspiracy guy, Bob, but you, you seem to think just because I think Jeffrey Epstein's behind every development in the world <laughs> of the past five years doesn't mean I'm a conspiracy theorist. Um, yeah, so... Uh, there must be some way to link this to the Epstein scandal, though. That would be good. Well... It could turn out that Trump's lethargy is due to Epstein Barr instead of this, but that wouldn't be the same. The, um, uh, no. Uh, so it, it, anyway, um, there must be more to the, say about this. There, it's there all is anyone's more to say. talking there, about, but maybe that's a reason not to say anything. Well, there's the whole constitutional, various constitutional crises. What I didn't realize, if there's a dispute over whether he's capable of capable of assuming office, it requires a two-thirds vote to get rid of him. By who? That By was, Congress? Yeah. If, 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 if the committee of the cabinet says this guy can't, can't, you know, can't carry forward his duties anymore, and he says, yes, I can, then it goes to the, I think, the Senate, and it takes a two-thirds vote. Hmm. Or maybe it's both houses. The whole, the Constitution, you know, is a, is a is a clunky machine. The uh the and its weak spot is the appointment of electors. So, as uh, if 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 Trump dies, then you know he stays on the ballot. If he's elected or or not elected, who gets you know can they can they substitute new electors? Can the electors say, well, that guy's dead. I'm 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 endorsing Biden, and the same with the other way around. It's a it's a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, and then, and then, of course, Amy Coney Barrett could get it and give apparently it to the she's inter- already had it. Apparently, she's and, already had and it. Give it to the entire Supreme Court. No, I think she's immune because yeah. she's already had it. Assuming she got had robust antibody reaction. This again huh. comes from my wife. I'm not responsible if it's wrong, but my wife has a, has a has a pretty good track record on health related things. <laughs> okay. Um, um. So, uh, I, I mean, I think to a large extent, this will just. Like so much in America these days, it, it, there are various ways this could wind up reinforcing various people's pre-existing narratives. Okay, the fact that he got it is for the resistance and anti-Trumpers everywhere 
more evidence that he was wrong to be so casual about this. And clearly he was. I mean, you know, that that part is true. I just don't think I don't know how many people outside of the the Trump hating crowd is going to really dwell on that. If he if he gets through it with minimal symptoms and doesn't seem deeply debilitated, maybe that can reinforce the idea that he was fundamentally right, that this is no big deal. Right. Most people who get it just get through it. It's very weird because he's a he's a well-known hypochondriac and apparently with, with in his office he's he's very concerned with germs and doesn't want people to get too close to him and and yet out you know to the outside world he 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 allowed this lassitude to develop and he, he, imagine what would have happened if he had actually done what we thought he was had been a hypochondriac about the virus and been a nationalist about and a xenophobe and an, about closing the borders. Okay. I mean, the traditional, the traditional sort of, uh, horrible attitude of, of, uh, of, uh, xenophobes is there are foreigners coming and they're bringing disease. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, there were foreigners coming and bringing disease and he didn't react strongly enough. Okay. If only he'd been true to type and the same thing with his personal hygiene. He doesn't shake hands. He's, he's a, a germaphobe and he should have let that affect his policy. Instead, he got conned by, by, you know, Rush well, Limbaugh well, and people into thinking it was all a democratic plot to cost him the election. Well, he shut down the, he shut down some, uh, of the incoming traffic from, uh, right, China earlier than most would have and probably earlier than Biden wouldn't have. But it turns out the big influx was from Europe right. and there we were just, the Trump-esque uh, incompetence doomed us, I think. I mean, the, the 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 checking of people coming in from Italy at the airports was was just not happening with any kind of consistency and so on. We've talked about this a little, but um, yeah, no, that you should do that piece though. Uh, a, 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 a bigger xenophobe and germaphobe than Trump would have saved this, or uh, if Trump seems like seems yeah. like a tweet to me. Uh, everything, so many things. Yeah, everything seems like a tweet. So, so many um, things. Um. So the other thing he can say, of course, is after recovering is, hey, I'm immune. Wouldn't you rather have an immune president? To which Biden should say, wait a second, I thought you said there was going to be a vaccine in three weeks. You mean you weren't going to let me have one of the first, like, 500,000 doses? Um, but, uh, that, you know, that is kind of something, I guess. Uh, he'll, he can say that, right? Um, uh, I... Vote for me. I have antibodies. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think people really care that much whether he has antibodies or not. I mean, my, my ideal situation is Trump wins the election and then he immediately is impeached and has to leave office. (laughs) So I think uh, the, the, the idea that he would win the election and then get ill doesn't bother me at all. I think oddly, this almost has to work in favor of him with his base, right? I mean, they will cling to, his surviving this ordeal in some fashion or another and glue it to the narrative. Um, right. But, he, 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 but, but, you know, the base isn't enough as we know. So as we know, and yes, it's those, uh, it's those seven to eight, uh, but undecided voters. But there's in, in terms of the wimpy suburban moms, this actually might be something that would appeal to them in their wimpy suburban momness. How? Uh, an ill person. They want to take care of him. They hope it wish he wish he gets well. They don't wish him uh, ill. I think they're, I think your your average suburban mom naturally uh, maternal. 
being mom. Yeah, but I think they direct that mainly toward their own children. And I think uh, if they were already leaning toward the idea that he wasn't taking this seriously enough, this would tend to confirm that. But now he's, this is a, but now he's, what about the possibility is he, he says, now I've changed my mind. I realize how serious this is. I guess he can't really do that. That would be too well, much. Well, Trump is constitutionally unable to say, but, to start a sentence but, that way. But this, I was thinking about this after his horrible debate performance. If he changes people, especially this is, this is me channeling my inner Gavin McGinnis here, but, uh, people, I find that women have really appreciated when a man changes and voters in general of both sexes like it when a politician changes and they tend to forgive him way too easily because it demonstrates to them that he listens to them. In other words, some guy screws up, the voters hate it, he says, okay, I'll stop screwing up. Uh, he gets rewarded way too much for that. So if Trump calms down in the next debates, uh, it seems to me he will get, he will be rewarded probably more than he should be. And by the same theory. token, are you saying if he uses this, uh, COVID infection to somehow do a, some sort of, uh, I have sinned before God moment? Uh, what? Or something, or it's been, yeah, yeah some, I don't, he has to say that, he doesn't have to say that, you know, God has sent me a message, but he could, he could say, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's it, it's it's now completely clear to me that the, I've had this disease. It's 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 kill. It's terrible. We we shouldn't wish this on anybody. You know, they 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 they, they deceive me into thinking it was less of a problem than it was, or something like that. I don't know. It'd be hard to come up with. That'd a, be a tough a one to pull off. I think at this point. Uh, but who um, knows? The, um, the, I'd recommend some change. The um. We have to talk about the debate a bit because yep. it's a use it or lose it. it nobody's going to want want to hear about it next week. It, there was this bizarre reaction that Gore had. Remember when Gore was mildly overassertive in his first debate with Bush, and and he sort of talked under uh, under his breath, like I couldn't hear it, but my mother could hear it, and uh, and it was considered too aggressive talking over Bush. And the next debate, it was like he was on quaaludes. He, he overreacted so much that he was practically not there. It was like, wake up, Al. Um, well, hadn't, and, no, hadn't Naomi Wolf told him to act like an alpha or something? Is, isn't that the reason he was acting like one in the first, or am I wrong? Am I misremembering? She was, he one was of very alpha. He was dressed like Ronald Reagan. He was, and he was made up to look like Ronald Reagan. He was wearing a Reagan like suit with big shoulders and he had rouge on his cheeks. And, yeah. And so he, he, and he was kind he, of walking around a little and kind of be, you know, could be taking up the space. No, I remember that. But, uh, it was, um, but, but, uh, but he was, he was, he was talking over his opponent. The, uh, the other person who, who talked over his opponent with a completely different effect was Chris Hitchens. Stan, it was a standard Hitchens. I've been, debate. I've been in the very seat that you're referring to. Yes. Okay, okay. But the time I saw it, which was he was debating Ariana Huffington and a bunch of, and a couple of critics of the Iraq war, it was actually quite effective because it wasn't so loud that it really interrupted them. It's sort of hard to interrupt Ariana Huffington, but it's, it's, but it was witty and it was sort of like he was just providing a play by play analysis yeah. under his breath. 
it was it wasn't this Trump thing where he's trying to like rattle you and interrupt you and not let you get your thought out. Why do you think Trump was so over the top? If we grant that it was a conscious strategy, why did he? Well, a, 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 he he seems to. He, there is a small percentage. There not maybe not a small percentage because some polls showed that his support went up after the debate. Uh, that said, oh my God, this guy's a force of nature. He's a, he's an asshole, but he's unstoppable. What a leader! You know, I'm going with the strong horse as opposed to. The weak horse. And early Andrew Sullivan posts during the debate said that some of the Democrats, like I'm I'm counting Andrea Mitchell and uh, various MSNBC commentators, were defensive about Biden's performance. Well, you know, he he could have have said that I didn't think Biden did that badly. And especially in comparison with Trump, why were they so defensive? Because they thought he was the weak horse. So, uh there, there's that possibility that Trump thought he was being the strong horse. Uh, a friend of mine was a lawyer who was hired by Trump to work at his firm, and he shows up on the first day as an outside counsel, and Trump is completely vicious to all his subordinates, doing exactly the same stunt that we saw at the debate, which he interrupts them, he, they can't say nothing they do is right, he berates them, uh, humiliates them, and this guy says, this guy's an asshole. I'm quitting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And the aides who, who he berated call him and say, don't you understand? He was just doing that to impress you. <laughs> you know, I mean, he thinks it's impressive. No, I know. I mean, in Fred Kaplan's, uh, new book on the, the kind of the history of, well, nuclear negotiations and related matters. Um, he says that, you know, Trump, uh, wanted to be one of Reagan's arms negotiators. And of course he didn't get the job. But when he ran into Richard Burt at a party who, who became one of them and was going to go over to, uh, the Soviet Union and negotiate, apparently Trump said to him, here's what you do. First of all, you walk in way late. Keep him waiting. Then you walk around, you come in, you walk around to the other side of the table, pound your fist on the table and say, fuck you. And like <laughs> Trump was serious like that. He thought that was a good way to start uh, nuclear negotiations. Um, but uh, yeah, it's I don't know. I also do. So do you think he was on on drugs? I, I mean, there have been all these reports. I assume that he's, they're all on drugs. I mean, he's I'm on, on drugs. Adderall. Yeah, I'm on drugs now. So why shouldn't he on be on drugs? Sudafed? Yes. When did I uh, when did you take it? Hour and a half ago. Good. Last, cause I think last week you took it too late. You want to, you want to peak like right in the, right now. Last week I was not at my best. And if you way. wait too late to take it, remember, snort it. Okay. How do you snort a lozenge? You crush well, it up? it is critical to remember to crush it up first because if you don't do that <laughs> and you snort it, it will take longer to kick in. <laughs> It could take up to seven hours if you <laughs> snort the whole pill. Um, thanks for the tip. Um, sure. So uh, it, we were talking about uh, why Trump did that. I think that's why he did it. it the it, The idea that he was had a sound strategy and he just overdid it by twenty percent. I don't quite buy that. It was. If he just done a regular debate where he made his points forcefully and said, over to you, Joe, and let Joe talk, he would have won. Well, but clearly I mean, that Joe wasn't, wasn't very good. And the one answer no. he gave when he was, you know, when he was had allowed 30 seconds of, uh, uh, to explain his reaction to COVID and the economy, 
was actually fairly good given the, his weak position, which his reaction was bad. He made a fairly persuasive case. So his, his canned answers were pretty good. He had a few good moments. And I will say on his behalf that if you had bought into Trump's caricature of him, you'd be going, oh, this guy's okay. Because he did kind of consistently like respond to Trump in real time with more or less rational replies. They were, they were almost never dashed. Well, you're talking about Biden. I was talking about Trump. Oh, you're talking about Trump. Oh, I'm sorry. I said tr- Trump's can't answers were pretty good, and he should just give him the can't answer and let Biden give his can't answer, and and he would have won. Well, but I I do think I do think there's some logic into trying to throw Biden off his game because I honestly think Biden would have been a little better uh, again in a town hall type setting. I think Biden was a little rattled. I also think all of this, uh, the, the, you know, the constant drumming about his cognitive state has made him. Uh, uncertain in a way that could wind up, uh, you know, it, it could become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think that's one reason he kind of goes, uh, Kellyanne Conway, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, Kellyanne Conway, rather than just say Kellyanne Conway, right? Mm-hmm. Because you see him kind of hesitate and doubt himself a lot. Right. And I think to some extent, I, I think this may, I'm not an expert on stuttering, but I think stuttering itself may get worse when you're self-conscious about the problem and by the way, this was one of the few times I've heard him actually stutter. He he really stuttered once during this debate, a classic stutter, and I've almost never heard Biden do that. I heard about it. I don't think people hold stuttering against. No, people not hold, at all. Not at people all. Hold, people hold this idea that Trump was trying to make him stutter. So what? It wouldn't hurt him to stutter. No, that it would, it would hurt, hurt him. him to be disoriented and to forget his train of thought and to talk gibberish. But well, I, stuttering I'm, I'm, is fine. I'm suggesting that Trump putting him on the defensive both by constantly talking about his uh, decaying brain and by just, you know, being all all over him during the debate, I think it does make screw-ups more likely, but uh, it also gives Biden the chance to shine on selected occasions. And in this case, like I said, he just amped it up so high that he himself became the story. Trump became the story. And, uh, and of course, most of the media is sympathetic to Biden and wants Trump to be the story. I mean, if you think yeah. about it, Biden said, did various things that if Trump had did them in 2016, even that little thing about I am the Democratic Party, if Trump in 2016 had said, I am the Republican Party, there would have been a little to do about that after the debate, right? No kidding. Yeah. So, you know, B- Biden has that going for him. Uh, but I don't think it's a, it was a crazy strategy. It was just out of control. The, 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 the rule that Trump will do whatever keeps himself in the news is a good one to apply to this illness. In other words, Trump is never going to take himself out of, like, like go on sabbatical, take, you know, take a week off of the campaign and give Pence the, give Pence, let the attention fall on Pence. The news always has to be about Trump. So, uh, that that's a good way to figure out what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the other thing about the debate is he, of course, and this is an overarching problem with his campaign. He's completely forgotten the issues that got him to where he is. Uh, there was nothing about immigration in the debate. He didn't even do the obvious line, which is Joe. While you were shaking hands with those workers in Scranton, you went back to Washington and shipped their jobs to China. I protected those. You know, I'm trying to get those jobs back. And you're just going to start shipping them again. And that was the, the, the basic thing he had to say mm. in the debate. And he didn't say it because mm. he's taking his advice from, I guess, uh, 
mainly Jared, but other people who are saying, no, you want to appeal to the black vote by talking about prison reform. Uh, and it led to some awkward, there was one paragraph where he segued from, and I let felons out of prison to I am the law and order candidate who's going to crack down on BLM within the space of five sentences. Yeah. He did it pretty well, given the wrenching, uh, you know, dislocation, but it was well, still pretty bizarre. Biden also left a lot of money on the table. I mean, j- just a, a trivial thing is, you know, saying he's against Trump's tax cut, will repeal Trump's tax cuts and not add the obligatory for the rich. Joe, tax cuts for the rich. People like tax cuts. You have to emphasize that these were for the rich. And, you know, um, things like that, like at the very outset, he disturbingly gave us reason to think he has not been listening to our podcast, Mickey, because I, as I said last time, the way to frame the Supreme Court thing isn't like, I think it, the constitutional thing is to not confirm her, which is bullshit. The Constitution permits the Republicans to confirm her. The thing to say is, four years ago they said this was the rule, and now they're reneging. That people understand. He never puts it that way. And uh, Biden Biden was bad. He looked bad. Um, and, and I mean, my sequence was, like, thinking, well, worrying about how bad he was being, and 20 min- minutes into it, seeing Andrew Sullivan's tweet about Trump is dominating and thinking, oh, God, maybe that's true. I mean, I did tweet before that, is there anyone who doesn't already support Trump who doesn't think he's obnoxious right now? And I think that is a lot of the story, but I did think uh Biden did bad. Then I was relieved afterwards that Trump seemed to have been such an asshole as to drown all of Biden's badness out. But then I woke up in the middle, in the middle of the night thinking, "Whoa, there's still all these bad Biden moments on tape that could be put to good use, you know, by Trump." I there, 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 are, there are a couple of polls, polls not, not the majority, but there were a couple that that vindicated your fears. Uh, I, it, it's possible that it's it's possible that most people hated Trump. But that most undecided people, he got the lion's share of the people that moved, uh, you know, because they were the strong yeah. horse people, even though most people who had already decided and most, I, I think, sensible well, people thought he was a horror. The, but um, the, the USC tracking poll, which is this interesting thing where they survey the exact same people. There are, I think, a few thousand and every day of the week they do hundreds of them. We've seen two of those since the debate. They're hard to read because they are a rolling average. So it's not like this is today's data. They're, they're, you can't really read them confidently, but uh, Trump they're has... down to three. What's that? Biden's only three points ahead in that poll. Well, whatever was, there, I would just emphasize the change more than the magnitude. The, uh, but, but Which it way seems, did the change go? As of two days from now, again, it's hard to interpret this, but... Uh, the gap has ever so slightly narrowed. There hasn't been some widening, um, if I'm recalling correctly. No, I don't think we have any good polling data yet. But then again, of course, you know, if Biden, if the polls don't change, that's victory for Biden. I mean, each debate is a bullet to dodge. And, and if the polls don't change, even if they move ever so slightly in favors, in Trump's favor, favor, um, that's victory. In a sense, well, right. although we're we're forgetting Bruce Feiler's thesis, which is we have a whole history book to go between now and the election. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and you well. know this is 
the fact that we're able to grow, the fact that the electorate is able to process all this incredible information so quickly, you know, Trump is a disaster. Trump has COVID. I mean, we could, they could process, you know, various people dying in, in an entirely new cast of characters coming in to run for president, uh, without batting an eye, I think. It's, it's, it, people are, uh, nobody is, nobody is unable to process the developments fast enough. Yeah, and this latest thing is a wild card that I just cannot, I cannot confidently predict yeah. the implications no, of. Yeah. The, um, now you now, have, yeah. You go. No, no, you. I'm being, I, my, I'm being no, 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 no. No, no, you're you the one about. who claims that I eat up most of the airtime. No, but, but your people are the ones that claim I'm constantly interrupting you. Yeah, but your people, your people match that, so you are the, uh. They do? I don't hear those. Oh, they Anybody, do. People tell you that I, do you interrupt me? People always tell me I interrupt. Well, a- maybe you should think about that. I'm sorry. Uh, the um, he, he, the Proud Boys. I thought you were going to give me shit about the Proud Boys. I am prepared to do that. Go ahead. Proceed, um, Senator. The the well the uh, it is weird that in the debate what happened is Trump said, "Sure, I will denounce white supremacism," and then bizarrely he said, "Give me a name." And then Biden says the Proud Boys, mm-hmm. nominating them as a white supremacist group. Mm-hmm. And then Trump says this thing, stand back and stand by. Mm-hmm. And, uh, first, the, the problem with the Proud Boys is they have, there are a lot of things that may, that are wrong with them. They're, they're upfront, they're anti-Islam. Okay. I mean, they don't, they don't, they're founded by this guy, Gavin McGinnis. They reflect his idiosyncratic views. They started off he, he bizarrely. Ironic. If I can just interject, bizarrely is the co-founder of Vice, which I think deserves further commentary. But, but go it's more ahead. than that, he's he's the co-founder of Vice. He also, in, I think we talked about, this, he invented hipster fashion and this whole this whole business about uh, about wearing the pork pie hat and the and the beard and the and hmm. the you know the the the, the colorful. Sh- I, don't, well, I don't know whatever it is is hipster fashion. Was basically it's Gavin McGinnis's fashion hmm. translated to all of Brooklyn. So he he invented all that. He's a very creative guy, and then he got pushed out of Vice in part, I assume, because of his views. And he one of the things he did was he founded this group, Proud Boys, which is an ironic reference, as I understand it, to a song from the musical Aladdin, uh, which he didn't like. <laughs> okay, so it's like a mocking reference to this. Song, are you proud of your boy? It's a terrible name for a masculinity group. So, anyways, I've heard worse for far right thugs. But he's anyway, up, he's upfront uh, anti-Islam. He defends. He's Western anti-Semitic too, isn't he? He's he says things about the fucking Jews this and the fucking Jews that. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought he was just anti-Semitic, uh, but. <laughs> Well, you you can you can be pissed off at the fucking Jews and not be anti-Semitic. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I claim. I, I would say that I, that particular I, but, trope is a little more diagnostic uh, of anti-Semitism but, than some uh, right. But I'll, tropes. I'll concede. I'll, I'll concede the charge of anti-Semitism okay. and concede the charge. But that doesn't make him a white supremacist. Okay, he makes he tries, and, and it, it, you know the, the group is multiracial. It does. Tr- it is not a, a white versus black or white versus Latino group. It is a white, black, and Latino versus non-Western group. Group. Uh, you could say it's bigoted. You can say it's bad. 
You can say it's, uh, you can say it's okay, homo- I'll, I'll probably homophobic. You can, you can Bigoted say it's- and bad is, that works no, for me. No, but the whole, the, the issue at the debate was it, what was it white supremacist? And it's not white supremacist. And, and I, I, I like, I don't like the throwing this label white supremacist over every group you don't like or every group that's bad. Okay. It's, 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 it, that's what was so weird about the debate. And then the issue is, did Trump know this when he said, you know, when he answered, and, and, he, and it seemed like he did know it because he was sort of, as I took it, telling them, you know, trying to, he definitely allied with them. He said, you're my guys, stand back and, or, and stand, you know, stand by. I thought he was, it was a face saving way to say, stop beating people up. Okay. Stop, stop invading these. Oh, come on. Anti-fraud demos. What does stand back mean? That's what stand back means. Mickey. So, uh. Wait, wait, wait. You asked the question. Okay. Can I say, first of all, I think we should compliment both Biden and Trump for that moment. And I mean that. I mean, first of all, you know, Trump says, give me an example, name a group. And Biden responded with, uh, you may, you may say, okay, you're complaining that they're not technically white supremacists, but still Biden replied with more adroitness then would be possible by far if Trump's uh, caricature of his brain were accurate. I mean, he, he, you got to give Biden credit for, in retrospect, baiting Trump into this thing and coming up with a name. Chris Wallace didn't. So he does that. And then Trump, whatever else you say about this moment, I think it's a truly impressive piece of wordplay by Trump. I mean, uh, you know, Chris Wallace had said, stand back, right? He, he had said, you know, will you tell him to stand back and, and, and stand down, stand down. I'm sorry. And then Trump says, and Biden says the proud boys, when Trump says, give me, you know, who do you, who are you talking about? And, and, uh, and then Trump, but his play on stand down is stand back and stand by. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's pretty clever. I mean, I mean, I, I couldn't have done that. Uh, and now as it happens, it was clever in the service of uh, what seems to have been a political blunder. I certainly hope it was, but, uh, I don't think it was unintentional. And, and, and the point I want to make is, well, two points. The term stand by almost always signals that action is imminent. If you're in a production studio and they say stand by, the next thing they're probably going to say is, we go live in five, four, three. Stand by means there is a high likelihood that I'm going to, to, uh, g- tell you to engage. So you stand by and you wait for your next cue and then you may well engage. So stand by does not mean stand down and it certainly doesn't mean I renounce them. I mean, that is the meaning of the term. And what creeps me out about this, and it really did the more I thought about it is Trump is like, I mean, you may or may, I'll take your word about the white supremacist thing, but they are a group of right wing thugs. They beat people up who have not, who have not started the fight. They have been known to do that and kick them to the curb and keep kicking them. Right. I don't, I'm not so sure. The the, the thing in New York that they were convicted of. Yeah. They got beat up by some Antifa people and then they came back 10 minutes later and, and beat up the Antifa people. So they didn't start the fight, that fight. And, they they also showed up in Portland, and I don't know who started those fights. They're clearly raring to fight. They're clearly okay. itching to fight. Okay. They're clearly like soccer hooligans. They live okay. for the fight. That's but enough for my purposes. Do they purposes. start the fight? Do they That's start enough. the fight? I don't know. That's enough for my purposes because what creeped me out is Trump 
basically de- declaring himself de facto commander. I mean, he was speaking to them. He said, proud boys, stand back and stand by. Now, I'm not an expert on how fascism evolved in Germany or Italy, but and, – and this isn't like they are now the brown shirts. On the other hand, you can imagine this being an increment – in that direction. I mean, and they were delighted, of course. The Proud Boys embraced this moment. Well, they're, sure, they're happy to be under well, his they, command. Somebody was, somebody was paying attention to them. It was like a, they're not a very big group. Well, and, and the president, and, and, in fact, is the person well, who is paying favorable well, attention. The, well, you're right. And, and, and Biden initially. The, not, his the, wasn't favorable. But he was paying attention. They want attention. Attention is attention. Yeah. The, the, I, I interpreted it immediately differently. I, and this assumes that Trump knew who these guys were. Cause otherwise, why is he, he may have known that they'd showed up in Portland and they were fighting Antifa. Okay. So they're, they're his guys. He may not have realized that they were white supremacists. He, he later claimed he had never heard of them, which makes no sense at all. But, um, he, he was away. They're talking. He, he wants them. He wants them to stop going and beating up Antifa people. And I agree that that is. Does he? Well, yeah, he said he wanted peace. He was talking about how he wanted. This is what I interpreted as he wants them to stop beating up Antifa people, even though he hates Antifa. And so he's saying stand back. And then he wants it a face saving. He wants to, he doesn't want to say, he doesn't want to put them down and said, you're thugs, stop at what you're doing. He wants to say stand, you know, he wants to do it in a way where they actually are going to obey. Which is stand back and yeah, sure, we'll need you later. So you're still my guys, but just stand well, what, back now. What does uh, we'll need you later mean? What? So it's you, you, he's doing anything to get them to, to back off. It's like you're talking to a guy with a gun. You don't say, put down the gun, you asshole. You say, put down the gun. We'll, we'll talk about this later. They'll, they don't be have other, a gun be a trained role, on him. There'll be a role for you later. They don't have a gun trained on him. He was under no compulsion to appease them. And well, he, he, want, he, he wants them to stop. And as I said, stand he wants them by, to stop getting into fights. Stand by is they classically a, used means more than we may need you later. It usually means we are going to call you into action pretty soon. So don't had, go back to the barracks. In order to, in order to keep his alliteration and brilliant wordplay going, he had to use the word stand. <laughs> so, Man, you're, you know, you're, you're, stand back was, was pretty good. And then. And he was, you know, he he must have thought about this ahead you, of time. You are I, really I, good must, at coming up with reasons that he said what he said. Other than that, he meant what he said, and I and 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 I credit well, you but for that. If, if, the, the standard interpretation on the left is he he wanted to stand by to thuggishly intervene in polling places where, and that was that, that was that's not a, part of that conversation. That was later on in the debate, or right? Now that's a further that, that's a further. Assumption. So what do you think he was going to call them to do when he when he issued the call later after telling them well, to stand Well, he by? went on to tell you. He said immediately thereafter, but somebody's got to deal with Antifa. He said okay, it in got- the next sentence. That's the context. Well, but that that's just he had to say he had to say that to to to, to get back to his main point, which is that Antifa and the left are the major source of of the violence. Don't you do you think, Bob? Don't you agree that the left is the major source of the violence here? Do I, uh, I, I don't think I'm ready to sign on to that. No, but let me, let me finish the, the, Where, um, you, let me just say all the, all these demonstrations in Portland and Seattle and Kenosha and LA, the, 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 you think then you don't think that the violence is driven by the left? 
Well, some violence is some. I, I, let's just can we just postpone that debate for a second? I'm willing to have it. But I'm just saying that it's obvious what the context was. And I agree with you that people who are saying he was saying he's going to deploy them after the election are making assumptions I'm not making. The obvious context was he was saying it may soon be time for you to wade into these protests and do some damage, Proud Boys. That is the far and away the most plausible interpretation of what he meant, unless we accept one of your various interpretations of why we shouldn't assume that he meant what he said. No, the very plausible interpretation is uh, you should stop beating them up, although I understand your motive. Somebody has to stop Antifa. That's why you went and beat them up. And what does stand by mean? You think he didn't mean stand by? That that's the part he's. I thought stand by was a face saving way to avoid putting down this group. Uh, He didn't want to put down the group. He wants to say, "I'm with you. Stand by. We'll have we'll have we'll have more things for you to do later." But but for now, just lay off the Antifa people. That that seems like a reach to me. I will say that I thought Biden botched the Antifa thing. This business about how, I mean, it, it may be true that they are more of a movement than an organization. That may be true, but Biden should not have skipped the part where he says, like, I'm against uh, violence by anyone. And if it's someone saying they're doing it uh, because they're part of Antifa, I'm every bit as opposed to that as I would be if they were, you know. Right. Uh, and Biden just, all he said about it as Antifa is, well, it's actually kind of a, a state of mind. You right. know? I mean, come on. Right. Uh, I, I, I agree. You know who gave a very good answer to both all these questions? Who? A favorite of yours, Bob, Steve Bannon. He's uh, on TV. He First he says he should have denounced white supremacism. Then he said the Proud Boys are not white supremacists. They're a masculinity group. But I think he said that she should have denounced them too. Uh and, um, well, uh, he was very, very clear. And he said, I've always hated this. I've always hated, I've always asked Trump to denounce white supremacism. Uh, and he was very clear minded and maybe he was under the influence of being indicted. But, um, uh, well, I was deeply gratified that the day after this on Bannon's podcast, he was the only one of the first three people who spoke who wasn't being deeply defensive about Trump's performance. I mean, Bannon's amazing the way he can, uh, you know, he should be a, a college football why shouldn't coach. He have, why shouldn't he have been defensive about Trump's performance? He wasn't. That's my, I mean, I mean, why? I was. He should I, have been. Trump's performance was bad. Right. But I was glad to see that that was being affirmed even in the last bastion of denial about Trump badness and Trump uh, incompetence and bad performance. I mean, this podcast is the last place you will ever hear a bad word about uh, something Trump does. And even they were conceding this, this, you know, that it wasn't a great night, although Bannon, Bannon tried to kind of counteract that tendency to some extent but i was i was just happy to see that but you know who else is disappointed that trump didn't uh clearly denounce white supremacism and everybody uh, what everybody scott (laughs) adams scott adams dilbert cartoonist trump supporter says uh and this came to my attention uh because uh a guy on twitter richard ledwich tweeted at me if trump can lose adams how far behind can Mickey be? So I'm about to ask you that question. But first I say, so Scott Adams did this video where he's like, Trump has lost me. And then at the end he says, now he could get me back if he finally says the right thing. But it was like, it was pretty thoroughgoing denunciation of Trump well, as Tr- Scott Adams goes. Well, Scott Adams went off on Trump's failure to counteract the 
uh, Charlottesville lie, which I do think is a lie, which, I mean, Trump had this whole elaborate scheme, which he laid out clearly, which is I'm denouncing the white supremacists and the Nazis, but there was this other group there, and I'm denouncing Antifa, but there was this other group there of people who were just hanging around the edges who weren't carrying the torches and weren't white supremacists and weren't, uh, weren't white nationalists, and I'm not denouncing them. They can be fine people. And since a couple of those people were my readers, I think there were probably just barely enough of those people there to justify it. So it's wrong to say he said they were fine, that the Nazis were fine people. He right. he was completely clear. And, and this is Adam's big cause is 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 clarifying this lie. And he was pissed off that Trump, as were other people, that Trump didn't take the opportunity to to defend his name. That and was he took the it first thing. That and was the first thing. Was there another thing? Yeah, that was the first thing he said in the video. And the second thing he said was, then, with the Proud Boys, he had a chance to announce it. it was something like that. Anyway, it was a separate thing that Trump had done that Adams complained about. And then Adams says, he's lost me. And Adams was, you know, he's like going on about like, look, I've, I've, I've lost income for my support of Trump. I blah, blah. You know, it sounds like he, uh, he was really in a moment of despair. Well, but in he, any event, what about this question? If Trump can lose Adams, well, Adams how far behind? Adams, Adams came back into the fold about an hour later. Did he? Yeah. He tweeted, he tweeted, uh, I've got, I've gotten so much you know, I, I, I say I'm not going to vote for Trump and I'm attacked by Democrats. Screw them. I'm voting for Trump now. Oh, what bullshit. He, what, what he actually caved in the face of was, uh, Trumpers, I'm sure. Anyway, what about the question posed by the suite? If Trump can lose Adams, how far behind can Mickey be? Mickey, are you going to vote for, are you going to vote for Trump? Well, I'm in California, Bob, so it doesn't really matter, but, oh. um, Oh, then never mind. Uh, but, but, um, that's my, but the, the answer is all I care about, I care about, not, not even what I care about is stopping an amnesty that I would think will irrevocably change the course of my nation. Okay. So if, if Biden wins and the Democrats win the Senate, they may not pack the court, but they're clearly going to get rid of the filibuster. And then it's Katie bar the door for things they can pass. And one of the things that tops on the agenda is a giant amnesty that will be irrevocable, encourage future amnesties, and it's a complete disaster. So all I care about is stopping that, okay? I, healthcare, Trump is terrible. Biden is much better. I'd much rather have Biden. The country, you know, Biden is clearly a wan retro figure who's going to bring back all the horrible swampy things and we're going to, you know, do all sorts of things that we probably shouldn't in terms of, uh, easing up on China. Uh, I can, t- I can stomach all that. I can't stomach the amnesty. Uh, if it was just those other things, I, I might be for Biden, even with the court where I think, you know, I'd much rather have Trump's choices, which have been pretty good than Biden's choices. But with a 6-3 majority, we can give Biden a couple of choices. Doesn't matter. So aside from the immigration thing, I'd probably be for Biden, but the immigration thing is there. And, uh, I don't, if you could guarantee me that there would be a Republican Senate that would block it, I would probably be for Biden. But if you, we can't, you can't. So you're voting for Trump. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> that don't seems rush to me, be Bob. where your logic is pointing. Mickey. It's pointing. The logic is definitely pointing in that direction. But as we, they may all die before the election, I mean, why do I have to make up my mind now? That's true. 
so anyway, this is a great gimmick. Uh, it, it's actually authentic. We we have not prepared this, but for you to like each week refuse to be quite ready to declare is a, is a great way to pe- keep people coming back. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're fascinated. Uh, or you know what we could do is like say we'll reveal the answer in the parrot room, but we're not saying that this week. That no. would be false advertising. No. But so we're, we're, we're go ahead. What are we closing in on? Too we're long? closing. We're closing in on an hour and fifteen minutes. Oh shit! Well, let me quickly we're, say something. We've done an hour and seven. So let me quickly know. say something. Here is, uh, first of all, every time I hear more about the bail in the mail in ballot stuff, I become more concerned about what a mess this is going to be. And of course, the Republicans are going to try to maximize the messy messiness. Um, but uh. I do think there's a connection between the debate and the mail-in ballot thing. Do you want to know what it is? Sure. I think Trump's there's there's a scenario in which Trump's performance cost him the election in a circuitous way, and it's this: um, the the ruling of a of any number of judges yet to be determined after the election may matter a lot, right? Right. The Republicans are going to challenge these mail-in ballots in, 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 in all of these states. There's going to be all these rulings. It's going to go up the chain. The state courts, presumably, maybe ultimately Supreme Court, but judges are going to matter. And I can well imagine, like, judges appointed by Republicans, they lean Republicans who, who in principle would like to rule in favor of the Republicans on these things, Watching Trump Tuesday night and and going, you know, if they were just kind of on the fence going, you know, this guy's bad for the country. He's just trouble. Oh, not because – well, also because he's he's given indications that he wants the courts to be on his side. That would – that would – that would – have this effect much more than Trump just being an asshole in one Well, debate. some of them don't like that. I think if they that's don't know Trump, reason. if they don't know Trump was an asshole before this debate, they're, they're sort no, of no, no, but I think, I, I honestly think, Mickey, even those of us who had a really low opinion of Trump were genuinely just surprised anew at what a fucking creep he is. I mean, it, it was, it was really unbelievable. I mean, when, when he turned the, the conversation from the subject of Bo Biden, who, by the way, Donald Trump is dead. Okay, he's Joe Biden's dead son, and Biden's talking about his military service. And Trump changes the subject to Biden's son, who had a substance abuse problem, and starts talking about that. I mean, how low can you go? And I think a lot of people had to. I, I don't mean this is a, an electorally significant. I mean, this is my point. I doubt that made a difference in terms of votes. But I can well imagine that the kinds of people who are state judges and federal judges and may have been appointed by Republicans going, man, you are just beneath contempt. That, and, that upset, that interesting just upset a lot of people. It didn't upset me. I mean, I mean, Hunter Biden is a legitimate issue. The press has been loath to tackle it. And it's not that. Trump that's was not, obviously going to totally bring it up at some point. point. So he brought it up and he had a, he had a hook that was a little, you know, that was, and, and, and Biden goes on in some sort of pre-planned thing about his, his son. I mean, I, you know, that it doesn't bother me that Trump. The main thing him. is you can see it bothered a lot of people. I'm just saying that this is my, I don't think it's crazy to think some judges could go, you know, this is, this is just too, they can now stand to see him go, especially by the way, let me just finish. Now that they've got Barrett almost certainly on the court, they can just think, you know, 
The Supreme Court is now in our hands. Thank you, Donald Trump, for your service. You did that for us. Bye-bye. Well, I think that's that dynamic is inherent in Bush versus Gore. They, Bush versus Gore was so embarrassing, they're loath to do, do it again. Well, that's uh, a separate and, matter. And, this and is it, on top of that. Yeah, this is on top. But I think that it was it was sufficient. The Bush versus Gore reaction and, and what people speculated would be Justice Roberts's reaction when he was the swing vote, which is not to throw the election to Trump because he doesn't like Trump and he doesn't want to besmirch the reputation of the court further. Right. Uh, this just adds to that. It's like right. icing on the cake. But now, but now Roberts isn't the swing vote, and it's not even inconceivable that another member of the Supreme Court who would be on the fence could go, could watch that debate and go, "Why don't you just exit stage left?" Yeah, you know, is Gorsuch the swing vote? I think Gorsuch is the swing vote now. Um, unbelievable. Um, <laughs> you're trying uh, to trigger me. He's weak. He's a weak read, as we've discovered. Um, the the, the the voter fraud thing is the only hope is the L.A. airport theory, which is L.A. airport is so dangerous that it's safe. In other words, you have planes like flying it opposite each other, like within 100 feet, like going in other opposite directions. And where does the safe it's, part come in? People are ter- – the pilots are wide awake. People are terrified <laughs> of flying into LAX and the controllers are wide awake. They know how dangerous it is. And they're constantly on alert, so it's actually quite safe because nobody's going to fall asleep and say, "Oh, this is an easy landing at LAX." Okay, the the people are aware that it there's total potential for chaos uh, in this in the, in this election, and they're going to be wide awake. Uh, that's my only hope. Otherwise, it seems like a recipe for disaster. Not because of fraud. I mean, the fraud will mail-in ballots are totally susceptible to fraud, especially if you allow harvesting. But just, just confusion because the voting lists are out of debate, out of date. You know, they, they send defective ballots to Brooklyn. So they send a hundred thousand more ballots to the same people in Brooklyn. So you have two sets of ballots floating around. I mean, yes, they're supposed to check the signatures, but are we really sure they're competent enough to check all the signatures? You know, it's, it's a nightmare. It is. I was listening to Barton Gelman. You know, he wrote the Atlantic uh, piece about the possibility that Republican state legislatures will um, defy the norm. Uh, well, it's more than a norm. It's a law in most uh, – it's a law at the state level that uh, the electoral uh, – the, the state's electoral delegation abides by the popular vote in the state. And and he wrote he wrote the piece in the Atlantic about how some – Republican legislatures may try to defy that. I, I mean, the good news, I heard this interview with him on Fresh Air. The good news for me was that um, it's not clear that doing that after the election has happened will be legal, which to me means it will at least go to the Supreme Court and be reviewed at that level. I don't feel as confident as I did uh uh, back before Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, that that the Supreme Court would decide as I would like it to. But anyway, at least that'll be subject to court review. But I'm not sure about that. Doesn't Congress have the power to decide which electors to accept or not? And so it matters what who wins the House. Well, he said and, that. And who wins yeah. the House I mean, delegations? He did, he did say he can imagine a state that he, he said he could imagine the legislature seating one delegation, but say a Democratic governor. Uh, authorizing a different delegation that complies with the popular vote and, and two, 
aspiring delegations heading <laughs> to Washington. And I think he did mention Congress um, deciding, but I... I think Congress is much more likely to decide that than the court. The courts aren't going to want to get involved. But the question so, for me so is, wait. does Congress does Congress vote majority, which means the Democrats will win, or does it vote by by state by state, uh, which means the Democrats might not win? Yeah, so That's this is I the House. Know. It would be the House in any event, right? I think so. The Constitution pretty much says it goes to the House. I saw somebody on Twitter talking about one vote per state, which would be bad news for the Democrats. Well, it, it, it's definitely true that if there's a – there is one situation where I guess if nobody gets a majority, it's decided by one vote by state. And Pelosi has issued a memo saying, you know, pay attention, try to win some state delegations because yeah. it may come down to this. So the Democrats are well aware that this threat exists because uh, Republicans control more state delegations than Democrats, I think, at the moment. Yeah. Um, um the other thing was Gelman said, contrary to what I think you've said, that there's basically no good evidence of past uh, f- fraud of any significance at all in the realm of mail-in ballots. But Well, this is, you know, I mean, James O'Keefe had it on video. It's like, it's like, what more do you want? What I is mean, this recent O'Keefe thing? Something well, broke he, this he, week, he, right? He, yeah, he, he had a whistleblower in the in the Somali community in, in Elon Omar's district who who, who taped – a bunch of things, people boasting of, uh, you know, ballots, uh, their car is filled with blank ballots that they're going to fill out, boasting about people going into nursing homes and there are three towers filled with seniors. We take all their ballots and we fill them out ourselves. They, the, those are, that's exactly the sort of mass fraud that people are worried about. And, you know, I'm not saying this happens in, in every district, but the potential is there. Uh, that's, I think that's all I'm saying. And it probably, happens on a small scale in a bunch of places. There was, you know, it happened in this North Carolina district where they had to rerun the election. That happened in Patterson, New Jersey. The idea that there's no evidence of it happening, what, what do you call widespread? An entire state, hundreds of thousands of voters uh, were disenfranchised? No, we don't have that. But we do have a couple of elections that had to be rerun because it was widespread enough uh, to, to call the result into question. So it's enough for me. The, and, um, and, and, and you don't need you don't need fraud to make it a disaster. Okay, you, you just need I, confusion. I would like to see a debate between you and him on this issue. He sounded pretty categorical, and I trust him. Did were you at the New Republic when he was like an intern there or something? No, he's a good journalist. I trust yeah. him, but I don't. Uh, uh, um, I don't. Uh, anyway, you know, I trust him. I I would trust him more than James O'Keefe, but O'Keefe had video. <laughs> Hope so. Okay. The, the um, I mean, Jesus. A couple of qu- other quick sources of alarm. I didn't realize that. I think most states require you, if you're going to vote by mail, to initiate the request for the ballot by kind of early October. Some large number of states, and people just aren't used to doing that. And the. Uh, the, the, the whole thing was that this year they're mailing the ballots to everybody in California. That's what well, we're some doing. are, some aren't. But the other thing I didn't realize—a lot is, of states are. The other thing I didn't realize is that a number of states, including some swing states, do not permit them to start counting mail-in ballots until election day or even after election day is over. So, so the counting is going to last a long time. The Republicans are going to use that. Even if even if Biden is, the, I, the, I I understand that rule because you don't want. 
the preliminary, especially if there's a huge chunk of vote that's voted early, you don't want some election official walking around saying, I know the secret election results that you don't know. We've counted them already and so and so is ahead. And maybe a campaign is interested in this information. Maybe not. Uh, you just don't want anybody to know that. So, Mickey, you, um, oh, final thought on that. Um, this makes me more, more reluctant than ever to conclude much from polls, right? I mean, the, the fact that, you know, okay, they're polling all these people, but a large number of them are not going to be voting in person. Well, will they do, will, will they succeed in voting by mail? Will they take the initiative? Will they fill things out in a way that is deemed satisfactory with the Republicans challenging every single thing? So I, I can, I would imagine that these, uh, given all that and given that Democrats are going to vote by mail more heavily than Republicans, I would imagine that these polls by some measure overstate, uh, the, the ultimate Democratic vote. I can conceive of ways they might overstate the Republican vote, but in any event, they make me, Less inclined to rely on the polls for anything in particular. Well, you may, you may, you know, the Democrats may be suppressing one percent of their vote or something to by emphasizing this vote by mail thing. So, if you shave a percent off the vote by mail and you shave two percent off by the shy Trump voters uh, theory, and the Dornsife poll only has Biden up by three percent, well, there goes his three percent lead. So, but I, Trump well, was not, not acting like a guy. Who knew this? Okay, not Trump only, was acting like a guy who knew he was behind. Well, the state, the state polls, the swing state polls. You know, a number of them are more than a three percent gap. Um, Enough but, of them are more than three. But as gap. for the national poll, I mean, I mean, if Biden uh, wins wins by two percent nationally, it's a coin flip as to who wins the electoral college. Right. You know, correct. Um, so. Uh, so, okay, so you think we should wrap it up because your friend said we've been going on too long. So other people have been complaining that the, if you add this podcast up with the parrot room, right. which we tape afterwards, it's like oppressive and off-putting. It's so gargantuan. Right. I've always liked shorter. So we have a lot to talk about in the parrot room that's left over from this. To this this was Not, fine. Can I just say quickly the things I plan to talk about and we can talk about in that room. Uh, a person in Canada was charged for being a fake terrorist. This sounds trivial, but it actually calls into question uh, the work of famed New York Times journalist Rukmini Kalamachi, if I'm pronouncing right. that right. Uh, Probably not. Uh, uh, the other thing is um, Spotify is facing a rebellion of uh, listeners who want to cancel Joe Rogan. Good luck with that. Uh, maybe I can do this part. Here, without further elaboration, just we've, we've, we've gotten in the habit of doing obituaries. I didn't know this person, but, um, the psychologist Scott Lillianfeld, who apparently was pretty well known, uh, for among other things, authoring, uh, a well-known paper calling into question the validity, at least as studied so far, of the concept of the microaggression. He just thought it was, it was actually being treated as a serious thing by scholars at a point when it had not really been uh, rendered with sufficient clarity to make it amenable to rigorous analysis or something like that. So uh, as somebody who gets offended when somebody doesn't like one of my tweets, the concept of microaggressions has inherent plausibility to me. 
Also in the parrot room, Mickey Kaus defends microaggressions. And no, the it just as a concept. Is it, is it a big deal? Should people make a big, you know, the, yeah. half of my life is trying to overcome these microaggressions that I perceive. It's, and it's sort of bad karma to, to let yourself be offended by microaggressions. But, uh, so I, I'm not, I don't know if I buy the, the, the concept that it, people, it's a for, tool of oppression, but the idea that they don't exist, I mean, so Mickey, is the friend who complained about how long we go on the friend who chastises us for not engaging in ritual self promotion at the end of the podcast? Correct. Oh, let's let's have, a, let's appease her on both fronts. I only so, have one friend, Bob. Okay. No, Mickey, I'm your friend. Periodically, yeah, we'll see about that. Okay. So, um, uh, so rate and review us on iTunes or the podcast app. I mean, right now, us for that purpose means. Either the right show or blogging heads. We're on both of those podcast feeds. But also, if you want to support us and allow us to speak uh, recklessly without fear of cancellation, because after all, you can only be canceled if you have a boss, um, then make us self-sufficient by going to patreon.com slash parrot room. Would you like to add to that, Mickey? No, I thought that was very well done. Oh, thank you. I'll bet so, you say that to all the guys. So we'll see. I think stand, well, oh, stand back and stand by for the parrot room. You're not going to have the parrot repeat that? Only in the parrot room. Okay. Stand Can, back and stand by. See what you get in the parrot room, folks? <laughs> Tell you, we're not charging enough. <laughs> okay. Okay. See you. See you there.